prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet. This is Athlete on Fire, your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence and inspire you to be and do amazing things. Now, I have one question. Are you fired up? Welcome to Athlete on Fire, where we are interviewing inspirational athletes all over the world with unique and inspiring stories uh, so we can inspire you guys listening. Uh, today I have an ultra-adventure runner. His name is Richard Bowles, and he is coming from Melbourne, Australia. He has run 12,000 kilometers. Uh, all my friends in the States divide that by 6.2, and you can figure out some big numbers there. Uh, across the world's longest mountain trails, and he is working as an inspirational and motivating story himself. Uh, we're going to get into the details, but he has done some amazing things. He's run the equivalent of over 260 marathons on the world's toughest trails. He's crossed rivers with crocodiles and crocodile-infested rivers. He's had blisters and infections. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff and a lot of takeaways from this interview today. So without further ado, uh, today's Athlete on Fire episodes with Richard Bowles. Richard, are you fired up? Mate, I am pumped and I'm really happy to be here, mate. I think that it's a great thing that you're doing, Scott. Um, I love speaking on these things. It's great to uh, have this chat, get my story out there, and hopefully inspire some other people to get out there and perhaps not cross crocodile-infested rivers. And I don't know why you think that's cool, but um, yeah, definitely, mate. I'm uh, I'm ready to start. To, uh, hopefully, yeah, help inspire some of some of your listeners. Awesome. So uh, before we get too far into why don't you just take a minute tell us tell us about yourself in your own words uh what you're doing things that you've accomplished we'd like to hear a little bit more about you right now yeah well i've actually uh, only been running for the last 15 years and i'm, I'm 35 now i was actually born in uh in leicester in the, the north of england and uh moved to australia 15 years ago and that's up when i obviously started to run so i have australia to blame for my addiction to, to running but um yeah, like I, I came here, I was uh, working in a, in a corporate sales job. I was actually a little bit overweight back in the day. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a common story that we hear with, with runners, and especially runners that kind of go the further distance. They sort of start off as a, a chubby checker, and then they move into uh, some serious endurance sports. Uh, I'm one of those people. Um, so uh, I, I started racing. You know, I, I suppose I did the, the normal progression through through running, which is you know the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, and, and then beyond. Um, I did that quite, quite kind of quickly. The steps were kind of rapid for me, uh, and I felt I was actually quite probably quite good at it. You know, without sounding arrogant, I, I felt that I was kind of good, good at the sport. I found it easy to do, uh, and I enjoyed and I obviously enjoyed it. Um, since then, you know, the last three years is where I've really sort of made my mark, I suppose. Um, I started off running a trail called the, the Bicentennial National Trail, uh, and that's actually based here in, in Australia, and runs the length of the Great Dividing Range, which starts in a state called Victoria, and finishes, finishes up in the north of the country in Queensland, uh, in a place called Cooktown. That's a 5,330-kilometer trail, and that's where I bumped into those crocodiles we were just speaking about before, as well as snakes and angry farmers with guns and all that kind of stuff. Um, it didn't end there for me, though, Scott. I, um, I ended up going over to, uh, to New Zealand and uh, running the, the Tirarua Trail, which sort of became uh, famous by the, the ultra runner Jez Bragg, also from the UK. 
Um, Jeff Bragg set, set an amazing time on that of about 54 days, I believe. Uh, he beat my time by 10 days, but I beat him to be the first person to run it. So uh, that's kind of my claim to fame there too. Uh, and then uh, this, this year, so that, that was all, all last year. This year, I have had the opportunity to run uh, the length of Israel on their national trail. Uh, it's 1,009 kilometers. Uh, so, 14 days. So uh, you said the length of Israel. Yeah, we lost you for a second there. So um, what was the trail in Israel again? Uh, so it's, it's Israel's national trail. Um, the length of Israel is only probably about 600 kilometers. It's a very small country, but the trail itself is, is a thousand, just over a thousand kilometers. So I, uh, I took the, uh, the 14 day journey on that and, uh, I ran about 85 Ks a day, um, which was an amazing experience through the desert and all that kind of stuff. And then even more recently, uh, just in the last two weeks, I, I ran the base of Mount Cinnabon. And anybody who knows about Mount Cinnabon, which is in the north of Sumatra, uh, it's been erupting for the last three months. Uh, I went into a no-go zone and ran around the, the, the base of it uh, and got rained on by volcanic ash. So I suppose that's where the term adventure, com- adventure runner comes from, Scott. You know, I like to uh, not only run long distances, but uh, I like to put myself in, in the elements with the things like crocodiles I spoke about before, with avalanche zones, with rockets going off overhead with the volcanoes erupting that's kind of where i i i get off in, in this sport oh that's so cool and and for the listeners you know we we are only eight hundred thousand miles away from you so we are having a little connectivity issues so if i interrupt you at any point it's because i want to make sure the listener hears exactly what you're talking about and to go back to one quick point this you're talking about the the volcano at sumatra erupting you, you said how long has it been erupting Hey everybody, I lost Richard here for a few seconds. I did link up the information to that Sumatran volcano in the show notes. So go to athleteonfire.com when the interview is done. Thank you. Here he is. And then more recently, it's been erupting for the last three months. Um, the, the Indonesian government have evacuated 18,000 people from the area. Um, I managed to get a guide to be able to take me into the area, so I'm stupid enough to do that. And um, and he even said that even the army's left now because it's, it really is a danger zone. I just thought it was a great opportunity to do something way out of my comfort zone and kind of risk my life. Yeah, that would probably be out of 99.9% of the population's comfort zone. Just a wild guess there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great intro, uh, Richard. And uh, just to let you know a little bit how this, this show is going to work, we have three segments. And the first segment is Athlete Defined. And you've already started that segment off a little bit just so we can get to know you a little bit. Uh, the second segment is Athlete on Fire, and this is the part where we want to really find out what drives you during competition and when you're working um, out there on the trail and, and what's going through your mind and, and all that stuff that incorporates an athlete competing. And the last part is Athlete Inspired, and we just want to inspire people with some good takeaways and, and some good mental mental tools that they can use in their own athletic endeavors. Absolutely. Um, so we have some fun in the beginning, and uh you know, we're not going to let this the sound thing get to us. I will edit the heck out of this if we need to, but we're going to get all the information we need to. So, uh, all right. So, you are 15 years old, and it's a Saturday. <laughs> Let's assume that it's a Saturday in the summer when you don't have any school. If you had school wherever you are, that's fine. What are you doing all day? <laughs> well, I'm not running. I can assure you that. Um, as a 15 year old, in fact, I lie. I was running actually. I, pro- I probably was running in the summer away from a local quarry that we had at the top of our, our village because I set fire to it. 
See, that's even back then, Scott. I was after adventure, mate. You know. Now let's just hope there's no one out there like school teachers from back in the day or family friends because I'm in big trouble. Because that's the first time to you that I've ever admitted to that. So yes, it was me who set fire to the quarry, and those six fire engines were because of me. <laughs> so where where were you when you were 15 years old? So I was back in the in the UK in a little village called Markfield, uh, which is in the in a place called Leicestershire, which is in the northeast of England. Nice. Real quiet little village, um, but not quite when I when I lived there because we were always up to to mischief and and no good, having our own adventures around a, a very small village. Yeah, and I'd like to thank you for growing up in the UK and moving to Australia, the two accents that no Americans can ever dis- discern between. So I appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> and I, I, I apologize to everybody out there because mine's a real massive. <laughs> no, that's great. From 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 where where I'm from in England, we say things like like grass and, and glass and those types of things. But in Australia, we say grass and glass. So I sometimes get the two confused in the same com- in the same conversation. So it can really screw things up for people. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so uh, it's going to probably mess me up before this half hour is over. So, uh, so we kind of touched on childhood. T- tell us what your childhood was like. What kind of kid were you? What you know in your early adult life? What were you like moving up until to now? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I've just been thinking about that recently, Scott. And it's kind of like I've, I've always knew that I was going to be something big. I didn't know what. I didn't know I'd be running around volcanoes and stuff when I got off. But um. I always wanted to be something bigger than I than, than I am, and um, that's always been a vision for me. And I think that's kind of how I, I ended up in Australia. I knew I wanted to to go and see the world. I wanted to get out of England. I wanted to get out of a tiny village where I was going to probably get locked locked up the way I was going. And I, um, you know, I ended up, ended up coming to Australia, which is a huge adventure within itself because I came here alone. I don't have any family here. Um, everyone I, I know is back in the UK, so. I really did set up a new life here. So that in itself is kind of a, a big story. Um, and then since being here, I've been trying to make my mark, you know. And when running came along at the, at the start of living here in Australia, I quickly saw that was something I was kind of kind of good at and I kind of, kind of enjoyed. So I thought, well, maybe that's that's my that's my line. That's my kind of goal in life is to do something there. So. Like most athletes, like I said at the start, you know, you, you go through the, the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, and then you sort of climb up, climb up, and then you try and go beyond, beyond that. For me, it's been way beyond that, you know, even beyond probably what I ever thought. And uh, and it really has kind of made me into to somebody I, I never thought was ever going to be. That's cool. That's great. So, you know, we get get an idea of where you're coming from because everybody's got a unique story, and I think that's ins- inspirational in itself. And uh, I just have one more kind of question for Athlete Defined, and it's just it's about what what is the most inspiring thing you've ever seen athletically or competitively um, that just really moved you? Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's one. I don't think there's ever one thing for me. Um, I, I'm, I actually coach as well back here here in Australia, and just the everyday runner can be pretty inspiring to me. Just someone who goes out there and, and does things that even blows me away, like beginners that just transform overnight to these long-distance runners. Um, or even the people that you know that hold some of the best records in the world, but you never hear, hear about them. You know, They really inspire me because 
I'm the kind of, kind of guy that, that does stuff and I want to be recognized for, for doing that. There's a lot of people out there that hold some amazing re records, like blow your away stuff, that they just never openly speak about it. They're very insular about it. And it's because it's, they're just doing it purely for them. Now, I do things for, for, my, for myself as well, but you know, I also like to have the reward of people acknowledging that, I, that I've done that. Um, the question's come up re recently, would I, would I still run if nobody knew that I ran? I thought, that's a good question. And probably not, because the, I actually don't like running that much, Scott, believe it or not. And that kind of surprises a lot of people. Um, but I, when I think about it, do, does any runner really enjoy running? And I'm talking about the pure activity of running here. Because you never see a runner smiling, unless it's the finish line, right? So it's kind of like, well, if you never see them smiling, how can they be having a good time? So I think... What running gives me and it gives to, to many runners is the fact that it's, it's all the other things that it gives you, you know, the, the sense of satisfaction, the, the, the goal, um, you know, the endorphin kick, the sense of achievement, all those things that you can connect to running, I think, is why we do it. If you take that away, there's no way in hell you'd run around the block if it didn't make you fit, you didn't get all those endorphin fixes. There's no way you'd do it because it hurts for the best part, right? So, um I would say to people, I don't like running that much. Not not enough to go and run around the world, which I've, I've been doing. So it's kind of kind of weird. But um, yeah, I, I love the other things it, it, it gives me. And it gives me opportunity to speak to people like yourself and get my word out there to and, and help inspire other people, which is amazing. Oh, that's great. And uh, yeah, I'm a runner myself. So I, I definitely get exactly what you're saying. I, I've had to make it more athletic over the years and get on trails more and uh, I don't know, the, the more stuff that's going on around me, the more exciting it is, the more I enjoy it. And you probably, from your resume as a runner, you, I, I definitely feel like you're probably kind of the same way. So it's cool. All right. So, uh, we will move on to athlete on fire. And, and basically the way I describe what an athlete on fire is, is there's a period in time for every competitive person where they really dig down and they really get get in that zone as an athlete. And uh, for you, I mean, you're, you're pretty much there right now. So it's a unique look at the mentality that it takes to, to really do something at a high level. So um, so to start off the Athlete on Fire piece, what's what's an inspirational quote or mantra that you kind of follow? Uh, yeah, well, I, I hate the – I mean, one of the things – I've got it written over here, actually, and you can't – it guys but it's on a uh, on a poster over here is ordinary is my enemy and uh i hate ordinary i hate average i think it destroys the world the world you know this average and ordinary thing because you're either like a doer or, or, or you're a non-doer you know what i mean like you're you're either ball or you're just whatever you know it's kind of like i don't think there's that that in, that in between so I, I hate ordinary and i hate average because it's that in between thing which isn't either so it shouldn't it shouldn't actually exist so, you know, I like to, to be, like to try and do things that I did above average. I like to do things way out of the ordinary. And that's not just in running. That, that can be a bit in my life too. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm extremist in everything that I do, you know. And that's not just in the running, which obviously speaks for itself. But that's in my relationships. That's in my work. Uh, that's in my, my, my friendships. I just push so hard. And I just push so hard until something ha happens. Now, that's until something breaks. And generally, it's, it's, it's for the best part. But sometimes it's not that great. But you always learn, learn something in, in, in the process. So 
you know, it's really about for me getting out of my out of my comfort zone and, and just doing things that I often don't like doing, which is running. So <laughs> it kind of works for me. No, that's great. So ordinary is my enemy. And that probably, does that drive you when you're out there running? Do you think about that? Yeah, because I don't, uh, I don't want to be this, this ordinary or, or average person. Now, everyone's got their own, I suppose, um, you know, vision of what that is. But, you know, for me, it's kind of like I've got to do things completely out of the ordinary or extreme for, for most people. Um, yeah. For me, to kind of feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere in life. So, I think a good takeaway from that is, you know, everybody needs to figure out what their ordinary is and then just blow it out of the water. Just go way above and beyond and get comfortable being uncomfortable and and you're going to see a lot of good results from that. That's that's kind of what Absolutely. I take from that. Yeah. Cool. You know, and it does I don't think it matters if you if you're running or it's in in life or business like if you if you speak to some of the top businessmen in, in around the globe they'll tell you they're always uncomfortable like they're living their life in the uncomfortable zone um and i think you can learn a lot a lot from that um yeah just being just having that fear and uncomfortableness all of the time yeah yeah we we had a little sound bite there richard said that some of the best uh businessmen in the world preach being in that uncomfortable zone all the time just so that you can grow and that's that's a good point. Uh, all right, so t- tell me about a time, uh, and we can keep it with athletics, that you knew that you were 100% prepared and you went out there and just fell flat on your face. Nothing worked. Never. You're never 100% prepared. If you actually believe that, then you're, you're delusional. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you're never prepared. Like, yeah, well, you can't, like, like, some people ask me, how do you, how do you prepare to run five and a half kilometers across a mountain range? Well, you, you kind of... You're never ready for that, and it's it's not like the marathon where you can practically practically run the whole distance before doing it. I can't go out there and run five thousand kilometers just to make sure I can run five and a half thousand kilometers. So <laughs> it's, there's a there's a constant unknown there, you know, and that's that's some of the thrill the thrill of it, Scott. The thrill is that you know I don't know what's going to happen, and often I don't. You know, if I just look back on on the Australia run, um, I was crossing some land in the middle of the outback here in Australia. And the next thing I know, there's a farmer standing in front of me with a gun pointed in my face saying, get off my land. And I kind of laughed and went, yeah, funny. He was like, no, get off my land, I'm, I'm going to shoot you. He wasn't quite as pleasant as that. Um, <laughs> I can't train for that. I never knew that's, that's gonna, that, that was going to ever happen. So you can't prepare for stuff. Like, I mean, sorry, not, not, not prepare for stuff. But you, I don't think you're ever ready for anything. Yeah. Right? And you can, just, you can just think about that in your normal life I think like if you 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 can prepare for tomorrow when tomorrow comes everything goes tits up always like things never go to plan so you know as much as it's good to have, have a plan it's going to be super flexible because it always changes so I, I, my answer to that mate is that you're never ready if you think you're ready I think you, you need to think again that's good and then and your expectations are set if you if you know that you're not ready then you kind of open up the world for anything to happen so so disappointment's probably not going to be as strong too so as far as your event the the australia event i'm doing the math here and it's almost the equivalent of running across across the united states pretty much but what kind of terrain was it like did you have support what kind of support did you have you know tell us a little bit about the actual event yeah. Okay. So, like, uh, well, 
yeah, I, I do have support, and it comes in the uh, it comes as my girlfriend, uh, which I'm surprised after these last few years she still is my girlfriend. Um, if you if anyone out there is thinking about doing their own adventure or running across any kind of continent with their wife or their partner, just think that that's a whole endurance sport within itself. Because <laughs> that's like another sport, man. That's 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 harder than ever running. Um, but uh, yeah, look, she she came and supported me on that particular adventure. Um, she support, supported me in a camper van, and she used to meet me where the road intercepted the trail. So that could be uh, over a forty-kilometer section. It might be over a hundred and forty-kilometer section. So she could only meet me where the road intercepted the trail. So that meant some nights out on on the trail for me as well. So I was carrying all of my gear, you know, camping food, uh, water. And all that kind of stuff. Um, the great dividing trail of, of Australia in terms of terrain, or at least the trail I, I was on, was designed back. Um, it's actually a trail that's made of, of old stock routes and, and, and coach roads and, uh, and wild kind of horse tracks. Um, it's funny, you know, it used to be called the, uh, the National Horse Trail, and uh, my girlfriend thinks I'm much like a horse. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, it's because that's because I need to get reshoots, Scott, and I eat a lot, right? Don't take, don't take the show from the other I don't even know where to go with that. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, it, it's actually designed for people to do it on, on on horseback, and it, it even may take a year to do it. So um, for me to do it in half less than half the time is kind of you know impressive, really. But um. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's made of these old coach roads. That's kind of within within itself. And then you've got like goat tracks and, and old horse kind of tracks. Um, you, sometimes you've got to run up sort of dry creek beds and, and, and canyons and, court and and gorges and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty it's pretty brutal and yeah and remote. Um, but nothing like nothing like the uh, the New Zealand trail. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So so for the Australian one, how many shoes did you go through? Literally. Do you know what? People ask me that question all the time. And when I tell you, you're going to go, oh, right, I wish I never asked that question. I think it was 12. Oh, 12. That's interesting. I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dude, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hey, guys. We lost Richard here again just for a second. He is going into how many shoes he used uh, during the Big Bicentennial Trail. So enjoy. Okay, say that again because I lost you for the last sentence. It's all right. I was saying it's 24 if you count. Each foot, which sounds more impressive. Yeah, 24 foot, I got you. Um, all right, so tell me about New Ze- <laughs> the New Zealand trip. There's probably, uh, I'm guessing the elevation was a little a little, little steeper in, in New Zealand, the train a little rougher. Well, if anybody out there followed Jez Bragg and his kind of blog on that, uh, um, you know, after I'd, I'd, finished, I'd finished the trail and I was reading Jez's blog as he was go- going along, thinking, man, you are saying the same words and using the exact same terminology as I was I was using when I was on that section of the trail, you know, and most of the blog started with the word F, you know, because it really was tough. Um, New Zealand is, is a, an amazing and, and beautiful place. And they've got some tough trails to run. Honestly, it's a really tense trail. There's no, there's no groomed trails in, in New Zealand. You know, it's, um, it's really rough and rutted underfoot. Um, in the North Island, it, it rained a lot. So I spent probably the first month just with mud up, up to my knees uh, just every single day. You know, it's just brutal. It's painful. Um, but the payoff is that it is, it is so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Um, yeah. And as you said before, Scott, like some huge, huge elevation there. Um, you know, you, you're above the snow, snow line at the time and at 
times and um you know and that's a regular occurrence but every day is just climbing up and up and up and up and up and it's so remote that if anything happens there really is no access there to to help you um which again is kind of a thrill um but yeah just just a magnificent this uh, country, the North Island is very different to the South Island. The North Island is very green and lush, and their forests are almost jungle-like. They're covered in these beautiful mosses, and they have a lot of these vines that you get kind of tangled up in as you're trying to run or walk or hike or crawl at times. Um, and then the, the South Island is just big country. Like, it's big and it's impressive, and it's probably what people think about when they think about New Zealand. Um, some big mountains to cover. Um, big spree faces to run, to run along. Just a real mix, mix, mismatch of, of, of kind of different terrains. And just if no one's gone around there, I, I suggest you do. It's probably like a trail in heaven. No, that's neat. So when you when you're doing these, I mean, these are days and days. These these are not quick events. What when you get really tired mentally, what do you draw from? Do you have any experiences in your life that you draw from, or you just kind of turn it all off and try to react? People ask me that question all, all of the time. Kind of like, you know, what, what, what do you think about for hours and hours at a, at a time while you're out there on the trail? And I actually think about what I'm doing. And that means like, so I keep my, my mind on what I'm doing all, all of the time because, you know, you, you're going to trip over. If you're traveling and you realize that you'll trip over a rock, you'll stand on a snake, or worse, you'll fall off a cliff face. So um, I'm constantly figuring out where I'm going to put my feet, where I'm going, what I'm doing, I'm a breathing out okay, do I need to eat, do I need to drink, am I on track, am I going down the right trail? And now that's really beautiful because it means I'm living in the moment for the whole day. I'm completely consumed by the moment. And people try and achieve that in their everyday day lives. And I, I can do that simply by putting a pair of shoes on and going for a run, which I think is incredible. Um, and the times that I have lost focus, I have tripped over and I have hurt myself and, I'm, and I have got tumbled up the, the, the tops of, of steep descents, you know, like brutally. Um, so, yeah, I'm really just figuring out, you know, I'm just looking at the right now. I'm not even worrying about the end of the day. I'm certainly not thinking about the end of the week or even the end of the whole trip. That's just too much to, to digest. So I'm just concentrating on the right here, the right now. And as I said, it's just it's a beautiful thing to be in that moment. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think... For, for the whole show, that's going to be the best takeaway is just living in the moment in our distracted worlds. It's a, it's a really good, it's a really good lesson to learn. And, and it takes practice. You get, you got to get out there and disconnect a little bit and, and you're, you're an expert at that. So that's a great insight. We appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, I was reading your, I was, I was reading some of your blog and stuff. Have you ever, and I know the answer, have you ever had any near death experiences that you'd like to share with us that might be interesting? Like, I'm a buddy. You just got done with the trip, and you're coming back, and we're we're having dinner, and you're telling me a story. How would it go? Oh, are you are you referencing to my recent trip, Scott, or something else? Because I've had lots of near life death experiences. Let's talk about crocodiles. You got a crocodile Cro- story? Yeah, crocodiles. No, look, there's no near death with crocodiles. I mean, like everyone who knows that crocodiles eat humans, right? Like they are a dinosaur after all. Um, yeah, crocodiles in, in final Queensland. There's a we've got a, a river called the Daintree, and it's I think I can't remember how many the population of crocodiles in there, but it ends up being like one every three meters or something. Like <laughs> it's insane. Uh, the, the the bicentennial national trail goes through that river, and that's Crawley on horseback, which we spoke about before. 
Uh, but when you're going through on your own two, two pins waist deep, that's a whole different different story. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of really kind of terrifying and scary. And people often say to me, "Couldn't couldn't you get a boat?" I said, "Yeah, I could have done, but then I wouldn't have ever ran or walked that tiny bit of trail." So, and then for me, that's kind of not doing the whole trail. So, um, I waded through there, and uh, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Um, it's funny, my, my partner, she came down to the water's edge with me on that particular day. And uh, and I stood there staring at the water for ages just to see if I could see any little eyes poking up the top or a tail swishing around. And she said, just go, just go. It's like 50 meters to the opposite side. I said, I don't know, this is really stupid. And she says, okay, I'll, I'll go first. So she stood in the water about three meters and I thought, geez, my girlfriend's going to now have to go. So I just went straight for it, got into about the, the, the middle of, of this river, about 25 meters in, and I, t- I turned around and she's back on, on, on the bank, absolutely in, in hysterics. And I said, it's not funny, you know, it's not funny, I thought you were going to help me, and I'm terrified, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm having this huge argument with, with her for about three minutes, while I'm still standing in the middle of the bleeding river. So it's kind of like, well, that's stupid, I need to just like get out of the river, not stand there arguing about the fact that I'm scared. So... Um, Anyway, I safely made it to the other side, and uh, I didn't have to hop the rest of the trail. So, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting experience doing things like that, you know, things that only Bear girls would probably do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, cro- Crocodile Escape 101, argue in deep water. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so I have one more question for this segment here, and uh, is, is, there a, is there a habit that you kind of fall back on on a daily basis that really helps you get stuff done? productive in your in your in your day-to-day life and in your athletic life yeah that's a good question um i, I know you know I, I try and establish habits but I, I struggle like most people you know um i think it, if anybody does anything perfectly out, out there then they're kind of must be the, those ordinary people we're speaking about earlier on um you know i don't i, I, I struggle with motivation i struggle to get on with my day and, and, and just consistently push forward but that's something I try and be consistent at is that that push, you know, and just being overly energetic and just going hard in every aspect of, of my life. That's something I try and adopt every single day. Um, be it if I'm running out on the trails, uh, if I'm speaking with someone like yourself, if I'm in a work situation, whatever. But, um, certainly, I always try and push for more and just get more out of myself and out of the situation. Um, in terms of habits, like, Habit habits, not not really. I mean, I always try and get up ridiculously early. Um, I just feel that you know we've all got 24 hours in, in, in a day, so you know you can get some more 24 hours in theory by like getting up ridiculously early, and that's kind of good. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I just in terms of life, mate, I'm like everybody else. You know, I, I still struggle. I struggle to get out yeah. and run sometimes. No, I yeah, make up I think excuse in the book. No, I, I think your habit definitely just just from a short time talking to you is is passion, and that that's sometimes a habit you can't teach. And I've listened to entrepreneurs in in, in the last uh, few weeks talk about doubling and tripling down on their strengths and just letting their weight, weaknesses go to the wayside. As long as it's not hurting anything they're doing, double down on your on your strengths. And one of your strengths is definitely passion, and we can hear that in your voice, which is which is great. So I'd say keep doing what you're doing. It's pretty sweet. Thanks, mate. And good coffee always works too. Just drink coffee in this stupid. Like, if you drink a lot of coffee, 
Oh, you get some good results, Mike. <laughs> we'll put the we'll we'll put your spot your coffee sponsor down in the show notes. <laughs> All right. So lastly, you know, we want to inspire people. So uh, to start that off, can you tell me who or or what is inspiring you in the world right now? And be specific. Yeah, specific's hard, mate. I mean, I draw inspiration from a lot of different places, and it's funny, you know. Again, I was just I was asked this question yesterday, like, what what motivates you? You know, where where do you get your motivation from? And if I'm honest, I don't really know because I don't feel like I, I need it. Now that doesn't make me a superhero. It just means that I think if I if I think about that, I I think I actively go looking for it. So I'm always searching for motivation before I'm unmotivated. If that makes sense. So I get inspired by music, movies, um, you know, just different people like yourself, different runners that I speak to, business leaders, world leaders. Um, I get inspired a lot by the the, the great outdoors and just looking at leaves and, and the way the sunlight sort of reflects off leaves and stuff. I mean, that's kind of my hippie moment, but um, but that, that inspires me. Life inspires me a lot. You know? I like being alive. I hate going to bed. I hate being asleep. Um, I just want to push myself as far as I can possibly go and just and just shake this world up a bit. You know? and, then like, and, and hopefully take some people with me on that journey. You know? Just get way out of your comfort zone, face all of your fears, and I think we were just talking about that before the show started, Scott, and I said, you know, if that means that you, you climb through the win- window rather than going through your front door when you get home from work, do it. Because it's just so cool, you know. That's just living life and just doing things large and kind of weird, weird and quirky and staying away from the average and definitely staying away from that ordinary. Oh, that's amazing. So who would be who would be a person, like a world leader that that inspires you? I don't know about world leader, but you know, this is, this is something that a lot of people get freaked out by me as well. I reckon someone like Kanye West is actually quite inspirational. People go, why, man? He's like a doofus. Like, he says ridiculous <laughs> things and he, he's so up himself. But I think that's why I like him. I like the fact that he's so confident that he's willing to say, I am the greatest. And I think if we all think about it, we've all, all of us are looked in the mirror at some stage and gone, man, I look so cool today, or I'm looking hot today, or I'm so good at this. People always think it, but no one ever wants to say it. And I actually believe he's a guy that's just willing to put himself out there and say it. Um, you don't have to like his music. I don't necessarily like his music, but I just love the way that he's, he will, he will um, give himself more confidence by just saying the stuff he says. Just adds more belief. If you can say, "I am the greatest," Muhammad, Muhammad Ali said that, and he was. You know, I think mean, people who just acknowledge that, you know, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, just just get so absorbed within themselves that they just end up being kind of great. Or people hate them <laughs> a bit like, yeah, um, you know, yeah. You know, so you know, and it's got, he's got some great in, inspirational lyrics as well. I know that 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 don't kill me only makes me stronger. Everybody loves that song. It's a running song, yep. mate. It's like the Rocky theme tune. Everybody That's loves a great that running song. Yeah. Oh, the beats. The, I mean, the beats on Spot about 180, 175. You're good to go with that. <laughs> it's awesome. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And honestly, there's something to be said about putting yourself out there. It's not easy. I've always considered myself a confident person. Getting on getting on the mic here and interviewing people, you, you got to get uncomfortable a little bit. And I feel like in the end, it's going to benefit people all over the place because your story has been great. It's been really, it's been really inspirational to me already. So uh, all I had to do, all I had to do is put myself out there and and we can hear it. You know, it's pretty cool. All right. So uh, I I know the answer to this from, from the interview already, but I want to hear is legacy important to you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, and, and it's more important to me now we have things like this and we have the internet, you know, because unlike our, our great-grandparents, for instance, who we can only imagine did all the best things ever because they told us that, now we're able to, you know, when I when I become a grandparent, people are able to check that and make sure that I am I am what I say I, I, say I am. Because everybody gets inspired by their, their grandparents, right? But it's only what they've told you that, that inspires you. So they could have been the worst people in their lives ever that told you that they were amazing. You go, oh, great, I believe you because you're my grandparents. So, le so legacy is important because now, you, you know, as generations move forward, like you can look back and say, well, I know exactly what Richard Bowles was about. I know exactly what Scott was about. You know, um, you can see the interviews he did, the things he posted online. You know exactly who he was. So, yeah, I think I think it's important. I think it's important to uh, to leave your, your mark on the world. Um, if not on the world, at least on your family. I think that that's important, and and the close people around you. Um, I'm the type of guy that wants to inspire the world, but if some people it might be just to inspire their partner or their, their their inner circle of friends, and that's just just as amazing too. Oh, that's awesome. I've never heard it, heard it put that way, and without knowing it, that's one of the reasons the show got started. I have I have two young sons, and you know I want them to know that while they're eight weeks and two and a half years old that I'm sitting here trying to make my mark on the world. And, um, I think, you know, there's going to be a record of this and, and that's important and kind of special. So yeah, I, I definitely get it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important for people to think about what they post before they post it. Cause often you can like, you can bang on a Facebook status just, you know, because you have this, this thought, but sometimes when you think about that, it's probably something you, it's not really, it's not really you. And perhaps you should have put it out, out there for the world to see. And as I say, like it, it never goes away. It's there, it's there forever once it's there. So um, even if you delete it, you know, they, they'll, they've got eyes everywhere, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's important. You know, it's, it's important definitely to uh, to make sure you're saying the right things and you're doing you're doing the right, right things. You know, and and that can I think with the way social media is and the internet and stuff, I think that can go either way because there's definitely people that are going to look back at even things like this and go, you know what, that Richie Bowles is a dick. You know, and that's cool too. You know, that, that that's cool too. But um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, people are going to have to. We'll be able to look back on this, and it's going to be in history books forever. For sure. So we're we're coming towards the end here. Uh, I have two questions. One's factual, and one's kind of uh, hypothetical that we'll have a little fun with. And right. because we are such a connected society, and social media is rampant, 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 and important. Um, I. Tell us how we can get in touch with you, how we can learn more about you. You know, do you ever come to the States to speak? And, uh, you know, just tell us more about how to get in touch with, with you. I would love to come to the States to speak. All right, actually, I think America loves Australia. Even though I'm not originally Australian, you probably think I sound Australian, right? So if I can be the next crocodile hunted dude, you're going to love me. I'll make lots of money from America. Um, but uh, no, speaking-wise, I've got no plans to come to the U.S. Even running trails-wise, I've got no plans as yet to come to the uh, U.S. Um, but you can look, you can find everything out about me on my website, which is basically just my name, which is Richard Bowles, B-O-W-L-E-S, dot com, dot A-U. Don't put dot com in because it comes up with this scientific guy who's way cooler than me. Um, so dot com, dot A-U. Um, but also, I've got all the other channels. I've got the Instagram. I'm on Twitter, which is Ultra Runner Rich. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel that's worth checking out. I've filmed 
every day on all, all of my adventures. So this, you get to see the crocodile thing, you get to see the angry farmer guy. Um, I'm posting up uh, a monthly rant called Rich's Rant that comes live from the, the, the pages of uh, Trail Runner magazine that I write for here in Australia. Um, so that's a live rant of me just saying all my stuff that gets me in lots of trouble. Um, so yeah, check out all of my uh, my social stuff. I'd love for people to get get on board. Hopefully, get inspired, giving your own ideas of things you're, you're doing. I love hearing back from people and what and what they're doing. That helps inspire me to do, to do more too. Um, so yeah, please jump on board and uh, and follow, follow the journey. Twenty four fourteen is going to be bigger and better than uh, the year of Japan. Oh, that's great! And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people will be able to get a hold of you there. And uh, so, the la- so the last question, you talked about a young 15-year-old Richard that set things on fire. <laughs> what would you, what would today's, what would today's version go back and tell you or tell youth in general right now? If, if they wanted to have the life that you're doing right now, um, you know, what are the steps to get to where you are right now? And, and you sound like a happy person, so this might be kind of important for the young people out there. Yeah, well, you know, I've got this. Back then, when I was lighting fires, I probably have a little voice in my ear saying, "You know, one day you're going to set the world on fire." You know, so uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Look, I don't think I'd take any of that stuff away. I mean, that's that builds your character, right? That's all part of who you are. Um, I reckon that um, I'd probably tell myself that you know what to do, so don't try and figure the whole thing out too much. And I suppose what, what I mean by that is that it's it's taken me two years of doing some you know some pretty amazing um, adventures to realise that life's pretty simple you know and if I followed the steps in the first the first self help book I ever read then I would have been pretty successful then you know because it doesn't matter which self help book you pick up they all tell you the same thing just with a different experience and something I've learned over the years is that. I've got exactly the same information to give people just from a different experience. So running's given me everything I could ever ima- imagine and some great experiences. But really, it's taught me nothing that I didn't already know. So, you know, most people know what to do. They just don't have the heart to do it. So that's a big message to say to people. You know what to do, so just do it, you know. just And definitely do it. Please do it in 2014. Otherwise, me speaking to you today has been a complete waste of my time. <laughs> oh that that's awesome richard and i this is this is one of the, the the first five or six interviews i've done you are an inspiration i appreciate you coming on the show and taking some time out of your day You're welcome and uh yeah we look forward to hearing more from you yeah it's thanks excellent. a lot great speak to you hey everybody i hope you guys enjoyed the episode with richard bowles I know I did. He was a fun guy to talk to, and he had some really cool, interesting stories. Anyway, right now, if you guys want to go over to uh, athleteonfire.com, click on the athlete workouts, and Richard has a fun fitness on fire episode for you. Just some concepts on what to think about while you're out there running. And until next time, thanks a lot for listening, and hopefully uh, you've been inspired by Richard Bowles. Thank you.